This episode of the Keen on Yoga podcast is sponsored by Moments. It's a booking system we've been using for the last year, roughly speaking, and we really recommend it. Great for solo teachers, right up to studios with multiple sites. It's a one-stop shop, really, and it integrates with Zoom and allows you to take payments via PayPal and Stripe. You can set up courses, trainings, retreats, keep an eye on your business with robust reporting. It even runs a staff payroll. So if you do run a studio, it will take care of teacher payments as well. The excellent team at Moments will help you set up, migrate from your other system and offer onboarding support. They're really hands-on at this. Once you've set up and are going, you will have time-saving automations, marketing and win-back campaigns to keep those students coming back. Moments literally takes care of the whole business side for you, so you're really free to take care of your creative side. Best of all, You've got that real-time support via phone, live chat, and email. Moments is offering Keenan Yoga listeners and viewers a two-month free trial. Click on the link below or visit moments.com, that's moments.com, and book a demo. And if you quote Keenan Yoga to get your free trial, you'll get two months free. Now on to the episode. Today's guest is Michael Beidou to Keenan Yoga. Um, really nice to have you on, Michael. Um, been, like Thank everyone you. else, been watching your, um, your Instagram for... The last couple of years since the pandemic started and um, had a lot of fun and a lot of laughs uh, watching watching your antics which is fantastic like uh, the most innovative instagram out there so thanks for coming on thank um, you yeah it's lovely really to, appreciate yeah, it yeah lovely to meet you and obviously we met once before at the conference we did which uh which is uh you know which, which you really shone at um which is funny because um looking at your instagram and and looking at your presence at the, at the conference that we did a couple of years ago um mm-hmm. You're the newest practitioner, probably to you know to Ashtanga of everyone I've in, interviewed, and certainly everyone on the conference. And you know, to, to most people, you've done it for a couple of years, um, and yet you know, you yes. seem to have done it for for so long, right? The way that you understand the nuances, <laughs> the nuances and the politics of Ashtanga. Um, I suppose my first question before I get into the past and how you got into it in the first place is, it's always been on my mind. Having not really practiced, I mean, you you know, you you mentioned you've learnt it online. You don't you see, so it's only more recently you've been to Charlotte's, you've been to see Eddie in uh, Broom Street, and you know, and other you know, and other Charlotte's as well. Um, but how did you pick up these nuances of the Ashtanga politics in the first place when you were only practicing online, right? Yes. So usually, what what happens was that as I was practicing Ashtanga yoga, I was getting to network and meet more Ashtangis through social media. Right. So from there, they would tell me these nuances that would happen through their experience, just through classes or at the shala or the temple. So I would collect these notes, and I'm like, this is hilarious, but they didn't know how to express it. So they were like, oh, I go through this some from time to time, or or, or my, my, my teacher is very strict, so I don't know. Like, I feel nervous doing asanas in class because I feel like my teacher's always watching. So that's always been the thing, that the teachers were very, they were very mindful and always aware of the class. So I always found humor and bringing light as a joke to where it didn't seem so nerve wracking, but it just made you feel assured that your teacher was always there making sure you were safe. Yeah, right. So those, those people just, just got in touch with you and told you about the things that happened to them. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think during that time, during the pandemic, I think we were all trying to find a way to connect with ourselves. And there were different scenarios and whatnot. But overall, it was just being able to find someone who actually practices Sangha Yoga 
it was so enlightening because being able to practice on your own is probably one of the most difficult challenges of practicing and maintaining a practice such as Ashtanga. Yeah. But to be able to connect with people around the world and then they're sharing stories about their laughter, even online classes as well too. Yeah. It was enlightening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, that that was on my mind you know, when I was seeing these things and realizing that, you know, from <laughs> from your own admittance that you were just, you know, new at it and had learned it, you know, online. How does he know all this stuff, right? And also I suppose being the outsider, like you didn't have anything mm-hmm. attached to it. And it was easy to see these things from the outside and just see well, a lot of the time, how ridiculous a lot of these behaviors are, right? And and, and just be able to make yeah. light, light of them in the most positive sense. So it's not like a, you know, a kind of, you know, it, it doesn't need to be one way or the other, you know, critical or, or in agreement. Just like, you know, this, no. is, this is kind of funny. And, you know, like you can see the good and, and the kind of uh, hilar- hilarity, you know, in, in, these <laughs> in these particular kind of, let's say, uh, you know, dyna- like uh, politics or dynamics. But, you know, let's rewind now and do the obvious thing and ask you, you know, how you got into it, uh, you know, at the start of the pandemic. Uh, you've got an interesting story there. Yes. So so pretty much it all started while I was in class. And my sensei had shown me a video. Um, pretty much it was like a, a quick documentary on a practitioner performing asanas from Ashtanga Yoga. And now at first I was in jujitsu martial arts class and to me it was like, okay, what is this? This looks weird. It feels like 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 an acrobatic show of this guy putting his leg over his head and whatnot. And he said, This is what I practice six days a week and I've been practicing this for five years. And I found it to be kind of weird at first, but then I was like, if he's practicing this, I'm kind of curious about it now because I want to know why a black belt of of, of ten of ten, twenty years of martial arts would want to learn Ashtanga yoga mm. and to practice with it continuously. Mm. So he then recommended me to, to, to then begin using sun salutations. Um, practice about five times within a day and whatnot, and then get back to him from time to time. Now, luckily, this happened earlier within the year when the pandemic had first came in. Yeah. So I was getting into it, started to understand and see like, okay, where is this going to fit within my life? Um, once the pandemic had hit and I couldn't do jiu-jitsu anymore, that's when I was like, okay, like, I guess it's down to me in Ashtanga yoga. Let me let me try this thing out, see how it goes and, and whatnot. So you started, so I started, you started the first two the weeks. pandemic slightly. You, I started slightly. I was, yeah. I wasn't, but I wasn't as consistent. So, yeah. so I didn't count it like officially, but I counted it officially when my sensei said, okay, if we're serious about this, let's wake up five o'clock in the morning each day and let's notify each other. Hey, we're going to practice. Or, and when we're done with our practice. Sort of like an accountability system. Right, yeah. So we woke up 5 a.m. starting Monday, and then I did it. And I was like, okay, this is not bad. It's just some citations. Like, what, what, what more can it do? So that was what my sensei then said after two weeks. He said, okay, now add the standing series. So he, so that's when he sent me my first video to watch. And that was from Dave Swenson. Dave Swenson's first flow video for primary series. Yeah. So that was the video that I would use to watch the whole practice and to follow him step by step. So I was like, okay, this guy is going to be my, my teacher until I actually get a teacher. But this is how I'm going to get familiar with the practice, with the asanas, with, with, the, with the vinyasas as well, too. Yeah. So after a while, my sensei started to realize, like, okay, Michael's really serious with this because he's actually doing this six days a week. He's following everything I'm telling him. He's waking up at 5 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. That's when he recommended me to my first teacher which was with, with Jeffrey Villanueva and Guy Donahue. So at the yeah. time, Guy still had the, the, the Shala available, but I still wasn't familiar with the Shala rules. 
So I had only been there once to meet with Guy. And Guy walked me through the, the first sun citations, the, the few of the standing sequences, and some of the finishing. But after meeting with Guy, Guy gave me the sense of I had to work and show my true passion through the practice and not with my words. And that's the one thing I admired most about Guy as my initial teacher was that the proof was in the pudding. And it was, he was measured to me based off consistency. Does this guy, oh, is he going to show up tomorrow to practice? Or is he just coming in to say, okay, I'm here to try yoga and I'm never going to come here again. Mm-hmm. So I made it my first mission, which was, which was where the humor come in was like, I wanted to make guys smile. That was the first mission. I was like, because guys, that's very strict. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, does, he doesn't smile often. Yeah, making him smile. It's a very yeah, he doesn't joyous, smile at all. It's a, very, <laughs> it's a very joyous thing. I think I've done it once or twice on, on the podcast that we've done. Um, yeah, it's, mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's a good challenge to have. But what, what I, when I was interested, yeah. like when you first saw the sequence and you heard about the yoga, what, what kind of reaction did you have? Because you come from the, you know, like a martial arts background and obviously it's goal-centered, right? It's yes. competitive, you know, it's it's competitive, right? So is there there's kind of a different vibe around it, isn't it? I mean, sure, you can draw parallels. It almost felt I like suppose, I was... But, you know, what were you doing it just for the weird. martial just, arts? Or, or what did you see in it? Did you, I mean, did you read about anything about yoga philosophy? I, or you know what I mean? Like... No, this was before I even knew about yoga's philosophy. I had yes. I hadn't even read the the um the um yeah the Bhagavad Gita even yeah. at all. I didn't know anything. So 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 it was more or less I needed to find a way to discipline myself because at that time of the pandemic I had lost my job. Yeah. So I was collecting because and that and at that moment it was like a big breaking point because I've worked within my career for almost ten years and to wake up one day to say hey you don't have your job anymore. I didn't know how to keep my, I lost my routine. Mm. I didn't know what to do in the mornings. I didn't know what, like how to start my day. Mm. And then the practice at first, when I first did it, I felt like I was giving myself discipline. Like, I, like it felt weird at first, honestly, Adam. Like it, it felt like, I was like, why? I felt like a kid who got in trouble and it was like, go sit and stay in downward dog for five breaths. And I kept asking myself, why am I doing this? Like, yeah, this yeah. seems like self, self punishment. Yeah. But after a while I was like, you know what? This stops me from getting myself in trouble. So yeah, if yeah, this is going to exactly. make me more yeah. focused within like my yeah. future, my strategy, yeah. then why not? Why not give a little self, like self, self discipline to help motivate myself for bigger goals? Yeah. And that's what happened. So I, I got addicted to that yoga high where like, okay, I started to see more than what I saw within the situation. It wasn't much of like, oh, I lost my job. It's the end of the world. Yeah. But it was more like, okay. Like, this is where we are right now. These are our options. And this is what we could plan ahead with. Right now, we're, we're, we're still getting some sort of money or passive income from this spot. We still have yoga. We can keep ourselves in shape. Let's keep our body in shape so we can think better. Yeah. First thing to keep in mind was mental health, yeah. which is a big aspect to me nowadays. Yeah. Yeah. So you were able to kind of get up in the morning and you had something to do and you had a focus and that kind of saw you through that, yes. like, a, what is a really difficult period? Because you mentioned on, on you know, I often, uh, as I always say, listen to Harmony's podcasts. Um, you know, th- thank you, Harmony, for listening. <laughs> um, and, and she mentioned that, you know, well, you mentioned to her, you know, you don't have health care. You don't have health care anymore when you lose your job. You know, um, you know, at that time in the pandemic, there was a lot of uncertainty as to 
whether you know what was going to happen whether you would get you know i mean like now you know currently it seems like there's more options again but at the time it was like well what, what do we do you know i mean i was the same oh, yeah. was like they cancelled from one day to the next they said okay that the studio you've taught him for you know probably almost 10 years that that's you know we're not doing that you mm-hmm. know that's shutting that we have to shut that right and uh you know i was like well okay like i came home and and i was like okay well you know, you know what do i do now you know <laughs> like yeah so it was yeah. like a it was a period when uh really uh we were up against the wall and, and to use a practice which which still had gave you a reason to get out of bed in the morning you know rather as you mentioned to get yourself in trouble and i always felt that that was a, that, that, you know i felt the same i think that's a great analogy is that basically it just keeps you out of trouble right it keeps you going to bed early yeah, because you know, i'm, I'm just, going to bed early not exactly drinking, you're, not you're eating rubbish, bed early. you know like not you know just staying out and doing other stuff and that was really the main thing for ashtanga yeah. for me for years it's just like it was keeping me from doing loads of stuff that just wasn't helpful whether the ashtanga itself was helpful well that's another story you know mm-hmm. like but but at least it was keeping me you know, <laughs> like sometimes you, you know sometimes you just don't know right like um but you know it yeah. was keeping me out of doing loads of destructive things that really weren't helpful in my life you know yeah no and you're absolutely right with that because 8 a.m it was it was weird for me to actually like shift myself to, to, to sleeping around like eight 8 to 9 p.m. at night just to wake up at 5 o'clock in the morning. And I it, like I can say, like, I cut a lot of friends out of my life because of that, because most of the friends that I would hang out with previously were late night friends. So because of that, I didn't have, like, those late night thoughts anymore. I was like, okay, I'm going straight to sleep. But then the benefit of waking up in the morning was that I realized that I have much more time in the world than I thought. And, and that's because I'm waking up instantly to, like, 8 o'clock, rushing to work, finishing work and then like going home, doing other things, feeling overwhelmed. But when you wake up at five o'clock, there's so much beauty behind it where you feel like, okay, I got two hours to, to do anything that I want. Here's my chance to do it now. Mm. I've already done my yoga. I feel great. Now I can think better. Now mm. I can do my day. I feel like a superhuman. Mm. But I think the hardest part about Ashtanga yoga is getting that consistency going. Because at first... You do it, it feels great, but then you're like, okay, now I have to tell myself. And it's something you have to tell yourself. No one can really convert you to doing it. Your teacher can't convert you to do it. Your friends, your family can't. It's something that you have to really believe and say, you know what, I want to stay committed to this because I want to see an improvement within this current situation that I'm seeing within my life. If you don't like the situation that you're in, you have to commit to some action in order to see some change. Mm. And for me, Ashtanga Yoga was that change to flip me from that state where I was in anxiety, not knowing what to do, not having health care not mm. having a job, not mm. being able to make sustainable financial income. Yeah. But it gave me a clearer mind to where I can think on a bigger scale to where I could prepare my life better yeah. throughout this pandemic. Because I mean, at the time you were saying you were collecting uh, welfare or we call the dole in England. So you were, yes. you were, you were on benefit, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. So, I mean, there was so much uncertainty yeah. and insecurity in your oh, life. So yeah, yeah. Which is, yeah. and you faced yeah. it. And through, the thing through, was that I was, through this practice and through really, I mean, what I think, what I didn't realize at the time and, and, you know, probably no one did is with your reels and, and the humor that you were, you were putting out there, it was a, it was a try, attempt to connect with other people in the community, which, uh, yeah, which is, you know, a, a fantastic thing to do with all this anxiety and uncertainty to, 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 yes. tr- to flip it around in a positive manner where it, it could easily become a, a rather kind of introverted, you know, kind of, you know, rightly kind of worry and, and worry mind. And, and you kind of went the other way and, and mm-hmm. trying to spread it outwards and connect with other people, which is, I think, a lesson, you know, a, a, an inspiring lesson for everyone. But I mean, you know, generally, no, you. listening to your background, you've got a, an incredibly inspiring background in the first place in which discipline, you know, was always there. Um, so 
I kind of don't imagine it was that hard for you to create a discipline around Ashtanga, considering, you know, you, a kind of the kind of background and discipline you came from. So, you know, I, I, yeah. I would love you to just, you know, speak for the listeners, for the for the viewers, a couple of minutes yes. on, on that background of where you came from. It's Ghana, isn't mm. it? That you, you know, you were, you, yes. you were born in Ghana, but your parents, you know, were you know born and raised in I, I was born in, I was born, I was born here in, in Newark, New Jersey. Yeah, but yeah, my yeah. mom and my dad and my brothers were all born from Ghana. Right. So okay. so we originated from, from yeah. So pretty much like second generation. Yeah. My mom and my dad were originally from the village in Ghana, but it was yeah. heavily cultured around Christianity. Yeah. So because of that, it, we were very sheltered where we grew up. So like my it was sort of like almost like I was in a shala in a way because my father still wanted us to wake up early in the morning right. to pray. We always had a prayer. <laughs> so so moving to Ashtanga was very like seamless. It was like, okay, I the same rules apply. Yeah. My father wanted me to go to sleep around eight at nine o'clock, same way. Right, right. <laughs> and then waking up at five. Yeah. yeah. So so in that sense, um, it was also we were we were very we we're very empathetic, like in the sense that we believed that all of our actions like was, was being was being watched and right. and we believed in a higher power. So right. yeah, so so because of that. We're very aware of our actions and we're very thoughtful of anything that we did before our actions. So a lot of the eight, the, the, the laws that applies within the eight limbs was almost similar to the, the way that we lived as well, too, because it was nonviolent. It was right. we're, 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 we were all focused within a meaningful path. Right. Like there was a meaningful path behind everything that we did. Right. It was, it was, we were raised to be peaceful towards everything. So for me, converting towards the laws of Ashtanga Yoga and understanding like the like like the the routines and the lifestyle behind it was something that, that I was like, okay, there's something I can gravitate towards too, because I'm already used to that lifestyle. Yeah. So and, and I know that it's a very harmonious lifestyle because we're all going through some sort of emotional pain, whether it's mental or, or physical as well too. But the practice and and, and the community behind the Shanghai Yoga is a sense of healing. And and that's the reason why that it brings so much people together and it's able to connect so many people together. So when, even when you're in a shala, when you're in the temple and you're doing an opening prayer with everyone and you're practicing with everyone, though you may not know everyone, you can still connect with them in spirit and you can mm. feel the strength of the practice mm, mm. when everyone is around. It's almost like a prayer. When, when you have more people, when you have two or more people praying, it almost feels as if God is there because you can feel that presence of that energy. So you, I mean, you know, it, it sounds like an incredibly rigid lifestyle that you had growing up and, and quite a controlled lifestyle from, yeah. from your parents. Or from, you know, <laughs> well, they they thought that it was God that was actually controlling, but, you know, essentially, well, they were the arm of God controlling you into the, to, to the degree that you weren't, you weren't even allowed to see any friends outside, I think, right outside school. and Pretty much. Yeah, no, yeah. It, it, was, it was no friends, no yeah, car, yeah, no cell phone, yeah. none of that. Yeah. And then um, finally, you were allowed to do one sport, I think once a week or something, right? So you did wrestling. Right? Yeah. yeah, I mean, it just yeah, they allowed me to do wrestling, yeah. and that was that was like must have been a huge I was thing. so happy yeah, about that. I was yeah, like, yeah. wow. But I mean, so so were you on? I mean, like, were, you, <laughs> were you on program with this? I mean, you 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 also talked about you know just leaving at eighteen and kind of splitting. You 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 use the word use the word splitting from from your parents. I mean, yes, um, yes, we, because because it got to a point where where like for me, I was through college, and and it was it just felt stressful. Like it just felt like like they they made it. They always made it seem as if I owed. I owed a lot to them, like almost in a way that I that I still owed them and whatnot. But but then again, though they weren't very supportive, so it was more or less like we can't help you, but you have to pray in order to get the things to come to you. So you have to work through spiritually in order to get the earnings that you deserve. So in that case, um, once it happened and they sort of like dipped off and they were like, okay, we're too old. We like you can't take care of us. We have to take care of you, and we don't want that to happen. So they moved. That's when they moved to Ghana. 
And then my brothers had moved to California, right. which left me by myself. Right. So I was on campus. Luckily, I stayed in school. And within that campus, I was able to stay in housing. So from there, it was more or less like, okay, I have to learn how to take care of myself. But I didn't want to be too, too free because I know with freedom and not having a plan behind it, you can go, you can go to where you can become lost. And that's yeah. where I started to learn a lot about psychology because I wanted to understand how to think, what to think, how to understand how people can communicate as well too, and how to understand the world. Yeah. Because at, at times we, as we leave a, a sheltered family, yeah. we, we go to this area where we're going through this, this self journey of, of self identity, who we are and, and how can we identify who we are within this world that we don't know. And we're trying to figure out. And it got to a point where I had to tell myself, I was like, okay, Mike, you need to understand who you are now or else you're going to be lost for the rest of your life. And I knew that I was always a community person. I always liked spirituality. I liked, mm. dip I liked diplomatic people. Like mm. for, so for me, it was more or less, I wanted to be around a place where people were looking to heal each other. Mm. They were looking to, to come through some, they had went through some sort of hardship and then they were looking to make a change within their life mm. because that's the people that I resonated with. Because so I went through that same that same background. Yeah, you didn't continue with the church. You just when when you know when you left home and no. your parents left. You, yeah. That, so you did, you basically kind of like lost that you know set of beliefs you know and put that behind you, right? And yeah, then, I lost know, a set of beliefs. Like I wasn't. I, I I would say I wasn't like an atheist or or like yeah, or like yeah. didn't believe in God anymore. Yeah. I did believe there in the higher power, but I didn't practice in that same routine as my parents did. And then you spent because it was, it was very rich. And then you kind of spent a, lo a load of time kind of looking for mentors, right, outside that, because you were completely on your own. I mean, and you know, and anyone who's had that yes. any kind of experience like yeah. that will resonate resonate with, with I, that sense of you know personal autonomy, which is overwhelming, especially when you've had a utter control to go to a potential utter freedom. Must have felt like a an absolute um, excuse my French head fuck, uh, you know, like it, no, 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 totally, you're you're right because the reason and the reason being is because I. I grew as I grew up in a shelter family because be, because I didn't have friends. Mm. Most of the visitors that, that came to that house were people that were older. Right. So from there, I, as a little kid, you're monitoring the actions of older people mm. and and seeing what their what lifestyle is, what lifestyle they're living, mm. and then you're critiquing: Is this the lifestyle that I want to live? Mm. So as I got older, I was like, okay, I'm going to still apply the same technique because I didn't really resonate with friends because my friends was my father and my mom always told me what I should be doing in the future. And because most of the friends that I, that I hung around with weren't focused on the future as much as my parents wanted me to be, I didn't connect with them properly. So because of that, I spent more time with older people, with older men, getting to understand how their lifestyles was, how, to, how a man is personified within the society, within this realm, mm. and then learning from their errors or learning from, or even learning from their successes, where I should gear, where I should gear myself. And I learned that yeah, people. The the majority of the men who who had failed was because they didn't have they didn't have some sort of discipline or holding themselves back from that action that they did that that destroyed that they that destroyed their lives or ruined the mm -hmm. state that they were in before. So from there, I was like, okay, if there's one thing that I want to keep with me within my journey is discipline. I need to have some sort of discipline somehow because people or myself can can get eased into to to the luxuries of experience and then get myself lost into it. To where I don't have a lifestyle, I don't have an identity. Yeah. And that's the one thing I didn't want to have. Did you ever lose discipline in your life at all and start drinking and staying out late and, you know, kind of, I, I don't imagine. <laughs> no, I did that during my college days. Really, really, you did. <laughs> and, and we haven't discussed. But then once, well, once I graduated. I... Yeah, hmm? yeah. I was going to say, we haven't really discussed what you studied in college, right? So, I mean, that's, you know, another 
a key factor that, oh, yeah. it, for your so mindset is is mm -hmm. that this this kind of like computer programming kind of mindset that you bring to the Ashtanga, which is slotting everything together, right? Like right, like you're like you're writing a yes. database, and it, it it comes it kind of comes across, you know? Yeah, because I'm very analytical. Yeah. So, so for yeah. me, when I look at things, I, I like to like get all the information and then separate it into different categories. Yeah. yeah. So so the way Ashtanga was already done. I was like, the job has already been done for me. Whoever did it, thank you. Because there's a setting sequence. It goes, this is what it goes by. The sitting se the sitting sequence yeah, yeah, as well yeah. as the finishing. And I have the chart with me. So it was very easy for me to sort of study it and apply it. So it was like a, it was almost like a, like a trial and error at, at the beginning. Because I would buy the books. My sensei gave me the books to buy. He, he's, and I still keep with me on my shelf. The Art of Vinyasa, um, as well as Light on Yoga, and as well as, the Ashtanga Yoga book from David Swenson. Yeah. So I would study the asanas, look at how they're doing it. And then I would also apply those asanas as well too on myself, watch the video, see how I did it. And then I started by becoming my first teacher, my own teacher. Yeah. And then yeah. from there, I was like, okay, Mike, you got to think like guy, how would guy rate your asanas? <laughs> and then I applied that same pressure, but I made it fun. And it was started, and I started to laugh at myself because I was like, this is something completely new that you don't know nothing about. And you're putting so much time and effort yeah. During this time of the pandemic, like out of all things you're focused on, you're focused on Ashtanga yoga. And that's where I was like, okay, like this is a fun project because I'm not thinking about how sad I am. I'm not thinking about how, oh, how I lost my job. Ashtanga yoga literally became my drishti. It was my drishti within the, within the pandemic. And it helped me drive into a better path where I became more optimistic than my pessimistic self would have been before. And I started to learn that my anxiety was this pessimism that would always seek how things can fail. But Ashtanga became the optimism with my life, whereas the things that I can do within this scenario or within this situation. So it's almost like Ashtanga Yoga gave me the answers that I needed because it helped me think clearly. Whereas when I was in an emotional state, I'm not thinking clearly because I'm thinking about how everything went wrong or how everything can go wrong. Mm. It seems to be the kind of brought an understanding or mindset already into the practice because many people at the time, you know, at the time and, and conditions you were faced with would say, well, I haven't got time. I haven't got time to focus on this Ashtanga yes. in the morning. You know, I need to be cracking on and looking for a job, you know, like and, and I think what, you know, comes across is that you kind of realize, well, you know, first of all, I got to get a mind state in order in order to function efficiently, yes. you know, if I'm looking for a job, did you, did you find any conflict at all with feeling like, oh, what am I wasting my time on when I need to be out there, like, you know, trying to, you know, figure out how I'm going to oh, yes. make some money, you know? Totally. Like there, there, were, there were times, there were times where like, I, I, I was, I was frustrated and I, and I would t I'd text my sensei and I said, how is this practice going to get me out of the situation? Yeah, yeah. And he, and he, and that's when he told me one thing that stuck to the head, to my head forever. Yeah. And he yeah. said, the quality of your emotions impacts the quality of life. And that that right there, it was like okay, like now I gotta re now I gotta reflect how my emotional state is before I think anything. And I realized okay, when I wake up in the morning and and I have to think about work and how I don't have a job, I keep that mindset throughout the whole day to where I don't even realize what time it is, and I'll think about it throughout the whole day to where I'm not I don't feel like being productive because all I feel is if okay, I lost my job, it's the end of the world. Oh, like you know, if if I apply to these jobs, no one is gonna reply back. And nobody wants to be around someone who's sour. But then I, then after doing the practice, I'll, I'll just tell myself, okay, Mike, right now it's 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 7 o'clock a.m. You still got a lot of time today. Let's let's spend the first two hours refixing our resume. Let's take a look at our resume, see what tricks we can do with it. Let's do some online training, see how we can build our skill set as well, too. Let's spend two hours on that. 
Let's also spend another two hours getting to, to figure out what fields do I want to put myself into or what dream jobs I want to go into. And I created separate projects for each one. And then I said, okay, now I have time for Ashtanga Yoga. Let's review the, the tapes that we did today. Let's review the asanas, what, what we did wrong and whatnot. So I almost created like, almost as if like I created my own little company in my head to where I kept myself yeah, busy. Yeah, but and just incredible discipline. I mean, I'm just going to have to interrupt you there and say, were there any points when you just like, no, no, thought, no, I fine. can't, I don't know, I, I'm really struggling to keep this up. I don't want to sit down for the next two hours and do online training, you know, like, or, you know, I mean, do, did you have challenges with your own willpower? Like, it's just that, you know, so, the, the degree I, of self-control you have is, is quite astonishing, mm-hmm. you know, especially at that time when you had nothing really. Yeah, no, I use a, I'm a man who uses a lot of analogies. I, right. I like to trick my, I like to sort of mentally trick myself out. Right. So I'll tell myself throughout that day and, and I'll say, Mike, if you're able to, to wake up out of nowhere, just practice yoga for an hour and a half, sitting down for two hours, learning and just listening with your ears is not going to hurt you. And I have to be hard on myself with that. And, and that's what woke me up and realized that, Mike, the only hardest thing that you're really doing within this whole pandemic is doing yoga for an hour and a half. So if anything else, you're just complaining. You're complaining about applying for a job. You're complaining about bettering yourself. And, and I started to reflect on how I was talking to myself. And I was like, I complain a lot. And maybe maybe if I was if I maybe I quieted that down a little bit and practiced more, I wouldn't be hearing that and I'll be seeing more results. So I stopped talking myself out of that mental mode and I started to see results. And that's when I started to use the results to prove my to prove the pessimism to say, you know, you know what, pessimism, you're actually wrong. Because in reality, I've been doing Ashanga yoga for almost a month already, and I haven't even realized that I've been doing it because I'm so focused about waking up at 5 a.m. That's all I'm really focused on. So within that day, the moment it hits 8 a.m., I'm going to sleep. Text messages, whether it's from friends, let's go out. No. Hey, I'm going to sleep because I got to wake up. My sensei is is expecting me 5 a.m., and I'm shooting him a text saying good morning. That's incredible. So to me, it proved, I mean, like, outside, there's one thing that pandemic proved yeah, to me. Yeah, you're going to prove to yourself, really, isn't it? As you prove to yourself that, yeah. well, that this is what I'm doing. And then you're going to gradually develop the conviction. You know, like you're trusting, maybe you're kind of trusting yourself. I had the same thing. It's like, well, I'm going to wake up and I'm going to do that. And every time you do that, it just adds that money to the bank where it's like, you know, where there's, there's always that choice of yay or nay, you know, like, and, you know, it's become so weighted because you've done it a hundred times, you know, a million times, you know to yourself, I will do that. And then what I say I'm going to do in my mind, I'm going to do that, you know, and you start to trust exactly. that, you know, and, exactly. and have the and have the confidence exactly. and have the confidence that you, you put your money where your mouth is, as it were, you know. But outside the lifestyle aspects, what about the, uh, the, the, the mental aspects of the practice? Could you say, I mean, you spoke really nicely before we turned the cameras on about, you know, how the Ashtanga had had developed a, a kind of mind state in you. And, you, you know, you mentioned a number of times to me and on other podcasts about anxiety and about dealing, you know, using the, the practice to deal with a negative mind states. You know, we've talked about it even here. Um, you know, how, how did that transpire with the literal practical elements of the practice to affect your mind? Yeah, no, at first, um, I, when I first began the practice, it was hard for me to focus for the full hour or, or the first 30 minutes when I was when I was beginning. And that was because whenever I would I felt myself in a in a still state, I would start to think about things out that didn't really matter, whether it was pessimism or not. But then I felt as I was practicing when I was taking these thoughts that I would I wouldn't be able to get further within certain asanas. 
and and, and not saying like advanced asanas, even like basic, like chicken asana. Like I would, I like my body would feel some sort of way. I feel rigid, like my practice would be slow, dry. But then, and that's when I started to tell myself, I was like, Mike, your mental state really affects your practice within that hour. And also with that, I noticed it as well too that being able to practice and being able to focus for that long helped me control my mind whenever I was overthinking something. Whenever I was in like some negative state outside of the practice, I would tell myself, Mike, this is just like the practice. You could focus on other things for an hour and a half and not think about that negative piece. And it took me a while to get into that because sometimes even when you're doing jump throughs and you're having a bad day, everything gets, gets bad. And then you and then you can fall into a tilt where you're like, I don't even feel like practicing. You, you want to just walk away. Mm. But to me, I'm very hard on myself. So that's why I put that video camera in for and I put that video camera in for on purpose because I said, Mike, you don't want to walk away off your video giving up. And it was hard for me to walk away and to say, you know what? I quit after the fourth sun salutation. Let me close the video. I was like, I can't do that. So then it sort of became this whole, like, I felt like if my parents and my, and my teacher was watching me in a sense with that video and that's what motivated me because like, and to be open, like my parents, my parents weren't always so around. So I always used to put that perception that like, imagine if your parents were there, imagine if this person was there, how much effort would you then put in? And then I'm seeing that and I'm like, Mike, if you see, you're putting so much effort on yourself. If you put all these emphasis, now just do that for you. And then once I started to do that for me, then the practice for an hour, I was able to focus and just like not think about anything negative. And it got to a point where even waking up in the morning, I wasn't thinking anything about negative, any negativity because I was thinking mm. about the practice. And because mm. the practice is so demanding, that's the mm. first thing I think about. I'm like, all right, Mike, we got an hour and a half today. How do you want to do it? Let's set it. And after that, I'm thinking about the day i'm not thinking about anything else it's magical because you're only thinking about that yeah yeah you mentioned also which i liked a lot emotional consistency that you know you managed to kind of yes. develop a kind of consistency of emotional states where you realized when you went to the to the office or you know you were around people that you were able to 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 be uh, you know a kind of level you know in in terms of you, mm -hmm. you could trust yourself and your emotional reactions and the kind of vibe you were giving off to be you know consistent and reasonable to other people right yeah, because also because it's a self practice. So you're sitting by yourself for an hour and a half, mm. going through going through different asanas, different mm. states, and you're and with these asanas, it's not just different postures, but it's putting you in different scenarios. So it's like, almost like having a bad day. Like there's some there's some asanas that that are just there to throw a curveball at you, and then there's some asanas where it's like, okay, you know what? Like, let's see how your day goes because if this asana works, this should help you towards this. So I almost used each asana as a problem, a problem that I that I had to face. And I my my goal was is that entering every asana or every or or going through every vinyasa as well too, my mental state was clear and non-judgmental. I wasn't thinking about anything. It was coming in clear, and all I thought about was that asana and that's it. And I felt myself becoming much safer and actually coming more deeper into the practice because I wasn't thinking about my problems. Or thinking about stuff that were outside of this world so i became more focused and became more dedicated to where i was able to control my mind and become more self-aware if i was feeling any emotional state if i was feeling mad i instantly knew okay mike you're mad but this is not the time to be mad let's rationalize it later and let's focus on let's focus on this right now mm. and within meetings now within my corporate job because it's very fast paced i work in the fashion industry mm. and you're working with different emotions some people are happy some people are sad mm. people can be angry for no reason but 
you start to learn that their emotional state and their feelings does not affect you. And it has no, it has no representation of you and you shouldn't feel offended at all. That's their emotional state that they're expressing, mm. but that has nothing to do with me. Mm. Before I would feel as if any emotional state was towards me mm. for some reason to where it felt like the world revolved around mm. me. But then I realized that everyone is entitled to their own emotions and it's my job to accept it or not accept it if I didn't want to. It sounds like you kind of understood Patanjali in philosophy through through your psychology training. Before, <laughs> before you came to the Ashtanga and you've just kind of applied it accordingly, which is, you know. It, That's why I feel like the, my practice, you, Ashtanga I mean, is a beautiful relationship. You must have a mind. bad day with practice as well. It just sounds like the practice for you is, yeah. you know, just just all good. What are, what are your challenges in the practice? You know, whether mental, it's, physical, for me, emotional. I think for, for, for me, it's, some, it's physical sometimes. It, it, it could be daunting when... When you're not able to still like access certain certain asanas, or you're still working on certain areas, like for example, um, I still can't get my leg over my head as much as I try, and at, at times it'll be frustrating. Um, but I've learned to let that go. But I think one thing that still that still haunts me to this day is getting into a twist posture, like Marichyasana C or D, um, and not being judgmental on what you ate last night. I would feel, I would normally feel guilty and then I would get into this self-anger at myself. I'm like, Mike, you should have ate that, that burger last night. Or Mike, you should have <laughs> ate those fries last night. And that's why you're, that's why you can't fit into that posture today. And now Eddie's looking at you today and now you look like a fool. <laughs> and that's the conversation I have in my head. But, but it's not so heavy as it was anymore. Before I would really shame myself, but now it's more or less, more or less like a laughter kind of state. So now I'm actually enjoying these negative states now and I'm appreciating these negative states because I really started to believe that there is no such thing as a perfect practice. I shouldn't have a perfect practice. And I tell myself now constantly every day, and it makes me feel better because now it's like, it's a goal that I'll always hit because I know in my mind, I'll never have the perfect practice. So I'm happy that I'm hitting these goals. So since uh, practicing online, first of all, are you going to Eddie in person? Now? What's, what's been your trajectory over the last couple of years with the Ashtanga? Like, uh, as I understood yeah. it. Like so, so I made the complete was... shift. Right, right. You're, I made you're the complete in... shift. I told myself I wanted to, I wanted to go to a shala okay. and um, I signed up for Eddie. Right. So, so now I practice at, at Eddie's place now about five, six times a week. And it's it's been pretty good. I, I would say I prefer the shala experience more than practicing at home. Right. So I now understand um, the, 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 so the the reasons why people people were going through a lot in the pandemic. Imagine practicing in a shala for 10 years and then being told, hey, you can't practice at the shala anymore because of this pandemic and now you have to practice at home mm. and you know your home is probably chaotic you may have kids you may have mm. like issues at home and that shala was your place to go to have those two hours to yourself and now you can't have that mm. and it made me and that's what made me very like empathetic to, to like to to, to the to the community because it's like i really resonate with you now now that i practice more and now i'm getting deeper to the practice i see why like it's hard to let go especially during this pandemic when they separate everyone right right now, but I feel like this was almost almost a blessing because it brought more. It brought the Ashtangas together within that moment. It brought more people to online classes, mm. and online became a new thing for Ashtanga. I don't think it was something that was pre-built. I'm not sure if, if Krishmacharya will, what, what what he would say if he found out there are Zoom classes right now being ran for yoga. But but these are the, the the new things, and it's telling us that yoga is evolving. And as we're learning more about yoga and the reality that we live in, we're learning to bring more people and make it accessible for more people. I honestly think Krishan Chari would have been all right with it. He was an innovator, utter innovator. <laughs> he, would have been the, he would have been the first to go online, honestly. 
Um, so, <laughs> I love it. I love what, it. What about your your experience of the shower itself? You know, practicing with people. Have you noticed that they're more competitive come, mm-hmm. uh, nature coming in, or uh, having a teacher no, right there in all. front of you? Uh, has that affected? You know, what, what what changes have you noticed in the way that you adopt the adopt and approach the practice? None, or, or is it be completely the same? No, it, it's actually been better. Uh, I actually right. like the shala. The shala has such like a peaceful experience, like meeting with everyone. Everyone is so warm hearted. They're so welcoming. Like I feel, I honestly, I feel more welcomed in the temple than I do within my own jujitsu like dojo, which right. is weird because like. I, I wake up to this. Like, it's like, this is something I want to wake up to. I wake up 5 a.m. just to go to the temple, just to meet with Eddie. And it, it doesn't feel like I'm in, like, boot camp or whatnot. Like, I just feel like it's another day in the office. Like, I'm just coming by, saying hi to everyone, doing my practice for an hour and a half, and then getting my coffee and then starting my day, getting my, going to work, doing my jiu-jitsu, and then call it a night after. But yeah. it's been so... It's, it's it's like clockwork now. Like, I, if anything, I would recommend people to go to a shala. Like, our class today was jam-packed. And that's, be, and that's the amount of people who love that shala experience. And I love it myself. So, highly recommend. Highly, highly recommend. What does your day look like now? I mean, you've got a new job. I mean, you took a break from social media for a while, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't see you for a while. And I think you went yeah. back home to, go, to Ghana for a while, right? And uh, and then you popped up more recently. No, no, no. This... No, you didn't? Well, tell me what you tell me what yeah, yeah, you so went so, and then what you're kind of doing now because you've got a really interesting work now and hmm. you've been all over the world, you know, and it, it looks like things are going well for you. Yeah, no, totally. So, yeah. so basically, what happened was that um, I I was shifting career roles. I was looking for a career that I can actually stay in, and I wanted to to get, I wanted to maintain a consistent lifestyle to where I can implement yoga and jujitsu as well too. That was the big goal. So I was switching switching between jobs, and then I came across this company called Reformation, and it was a remote job, and pretty much I'll be able to, to sort of travel around to help build stores. So from there, I worked there, and I was like, okay, I want to stay with this company, but I want to take time off social media. I want to like do do yoga and jujitsu by myself without social media because I wanted to prove to myself that I indeed this practice wasn't something that I was doing for, for, for like engagement or, or like likes and whatnot. Mm-mm. This was something that I was really doing. For myself. So I, so I, so I totally told myself, I was like, Mike, I'm going to disconnect from social media right. and just get this lifestyle going right now. Wake up in the morning, do yoga, do, do go to work, work for a few hours. And then after that, do jujitsu, call it a night. And I did it consistently. So, so from there I was like, okay, Mike, I've officially proven to myself that indeed I, I'm not doing it for, for, for anyone, but other than myself. So I felt I felt proud to come back, and best of all, I came back starting at the temple with Eddie. So I started going to the temple every morning, and now that Eddie's opened up the time even earlier to to seven to ten, like it's it's a dream come true. Because now my schedule is: I wake up at five a.m. Right. Um, I get ready. I leave the house at six. I get to the temple at seven. I practice from seven to to seven to like nine thirty ten ish. Then. I get I get my cup of coffee, tea, I, then I go to work. After work, I do jujitsu. You go into an I office. Go you go into an office as life. well, or you coming home and working, or yep. yeah, you go like cause you're a... yeah. Sometimes I work from home, okay. or sometimes I work in the office in New York. Right. right, and you're traveling around, still yeah. and opening these different stores in different places, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Actually, soon I'm heading over to the UK again, so I'm going to yeah, visit. I was going to say, how was London? How was London? Did you enjoy it? Yeah, I loved it. I Did loved you? it. It's probably one of my best trips. Right. Yeah, really? I was there for a month. What, so, so, what do you like about yeah. it? 
Um, I loved it. To me, it was more or less the people, the people in the culture, because okay. they're very, they're very diverse, and yeah. like it's almost as if like everyone is very together. Yeah. They just want to have a good time, yeah. and they're very peaceful now going. So for me, it was more or less like okay, like this, this is not like America. It's not like the states where people were still going through mm. like, issues and they're setting boundaries because of the media and the mm. news and whatnot. Mm. Like in the UK, it almost feels like everyone is just trying to work together. So, so in that sense, that's where I was like, okay, now that I'm in the UK, like everyone is fine. I'm waking up saying good morning to everyone. Like even across the street, I'll just say good morning. And they'll reply back, Hey, good morning. Hope you have a great day. I was like, okay, I got to find a shot. So I immediately went on my phone and then I was like, okay, like I found it on Houston square. And I was like, okay, on Drummond, let me go find it. So first thing I did went over there and then I found out about Hamish and Lauren. So I met Lauren first and I was like, okay, like, let me go in, check it out. Lauren welcomed me in. I did my store in the evening and I was like, this is the best because I was having meetings in the morning. So I wasn't able to attend in the mornings, not so much, but the evenings worked so well because we leave at four o'clock. So evenings will be held from five o'clock to seven. So I head straight over there and on our practice, but some of the things, but I kind of felt bad because I noticed that they weren't getting, they weren't getting much profit. Like they weren't and whatnot. So I, I actually forked over more money. I gave them 20 pounds because I love the support. And to me, my focus is more or less bringing the community together. So I, so I remember Lauren meant to, to telling me like, this is too much. Like you can, you can just pay for another, this, this pays for another class. And I said like, no, no, because this is not how, this is not how the teachers should be paid. The teachers should be paid a lot more because you're, you're providing more than just, than just a lead class. You're also providing the Mysore, you're providing the, the assistance. You're also providing the advice from the years of experience that you've been studying this practice for and and to me it just feels like like there's just so much being done from these teachers so much effort that and and they're not being compensated enough within this within the community and for me I, i'm always trying to do my best to, to tip as much or to give more than what i'm supposed to mm. even with hawaii um purple yoga as well too i try I'm, to give more than what i can because i just love helping people where do you see yourself going forward now with your with your work and with your Ashtanga practice? What are your what are your for aim? me? Yeah, I, it's not to, do you have any? Aims? Yeah, for me right now, I I want to continue continue being a practitioner, uh-huh. but I think once I retire my corp my career, then I might shift over to becoming a teacher. Right. I don't want to be a teacher soon. I remember at first I I felt like it was almost like towards the role of becoming a teacher. Uh-huh. But then I told myself and I said, you, it's it's too soon. Because I feel like there's still so much that I'm learning, honestly, Adam. Like, I'm learning so much about Ashtanga. Now that I'm in Ashtanga, there's so much more than I, what I thought from just watching, like, asanas and just impersonating asana videos and whatnot. And to say, hey, I'm a teacher because I can do asanas. It's more than that. And it, it takes years of experience because you're not only are you just understanding your body, you're understanding the bodies of others as well, too. And then learning that not all, not all bodies are built the same to, do, to perform the same. And that you need to, to that and that one will needs to pick up the experience of understanding those body types and how to advise those body types into entering an alternative or even a variation style of those asanas that they're supposed to perform. And as well, teachers also the the, the, the real teachers, the certified teachers, the one who studies, understand why these asanas are made. And that's one thing that I've always asked people is, is why is this asana there? And I always ask them that as a trick question because. For me, a true practitioner would know why I'm doing Trikonasana, would know why this asana is there before this asana, or why this will lead towards this. So for me, being able to talk to someone who's very philosophical, very knowledgeable behind yeah, the practice yeah, that yeah. I do every day, 
is valuable. And that's why I feel like they deserve a lot more than what they may receive within a normal day. It's a lot more than they they, they deserve it. What are the qualities of a good teacher for you? To me, for me, qualities of of a good teacher, it's it's knowledge, level of knowledge and experience. Um, For me, it, it makes it realistic for me to commit to a practice when I know that my teacher is also practicing the same practice as myself. Mm. Only in a sense that there's a sense of connection. You can understand the struggles. Like, for example, if someone is new into practicing Ashtanga yoga and the teacher has never practiced Ashtanga yoga, the first things that may come to mind is, okay, this this practice is rigorous, like like it's too much. But if the teacher's never practiced it, you can't share experience. You can't share, share false experience or take an experience from someone else and claim it to be yours. Because then, because then you're falsifying your practice towards someone who wants to learn practice. So for me, knowledge is most important in experience. Another thing that, that comes in as well, too, is, is consistency. Because if because if you truly believe in your practice, you're consistent with it. You're disciplined to it. You're, you're pretty much married to it. Like for me, it's gotten to a point where I can't, Adam, I can't practice any other style of yoga. Like I look at vinyasa class, I look at 30 minute 15. I'm like, I can't do that. I can't cheat myself. I'm not going to do it. Like. I, I'm strict to my sun citations, 5A, 5B, standing, sit, sitting, whatnot. I feel bad even when I do three sun citation A, Adams. I feel bad. What, what about, my um, sensei is like, Mike, we don't do three. Uh, <laughs> how it's affected your jiu-jitsu? Has it, has it changed your style of jiu-jitsu? Or has it, has it helped oh. on, a, you know, on a kind of mental level and on a physical level? Has it helped your flexibility and your training in jiu-jitsu? Uh, has it altered your mentality towards the, the competitions? You know, how does it, it help that? I would say all the above. Um, right. Let me. I'll start first on the emotional scale. Um, mm. On the emotional scale in the sense that when you're practicing yoga and for the first time, you're learning to fail a lot. You're learning how to deal with failure. You're, dealing, you're learning to deal with losing. Because when you step into that practice, you're not going to be able to, to accomplish all the asanas off one try, off one back. You're gonna take a lot of a lot of losses. You're gonna you're gonna be able to go home like okay, I wasn't able to do this asana, I'm still not able to get the bind. So you go into that state, but you're learning how to deal with yourself in these states. In jujitsu, it's the same way when you're when you get to that level where you're when you're sparring with other people. When you're a white belt, you're gonna go through a lot of losses. You're gonna lose a lot, and you're gonna be frustrated. Like, why am I doing this? I'm getting overpowered. This is too much. This is not fair. Like. My body is not built for this. And like other people are able to do it. They're, it's a lot easier for them than it is for me. And it's the same thing applies within yoga. Another thing that also applied within yoga on the physical aspect was how my body felt after the first few weeks. Um, within jiu-jitsu, you feel sore because you feel like bat- your body's battered and bruised. It's like, what, like, your body's not used to it. So it's like, what's going on? There's so much being active and whatnot. I'm in a sore state right now. And the same happened within Ashtanga Yoga. I got into, an, uh, got into a state where I was like, I'm getting sore from doing standing sequence. And I called my sensei up. I'm like, why am I getting sore from yoga? And then he said, because your body's actually getting used to it for the first time. And this is what's called openings. Like you're, you're not hurting anything, but you're telling your body, hey, this limb hasn't been used in years or even months. And now you're actually using it and you're activating it. So it's like, oh, wow, I, I'm actually using this now. So let me start getting to work. So from there, I, I even leveled out the same soreness that I got initially from yoga same to the same I would get from jiu-jitsu. Mm. But now to the point where like, the soreness is gone. Like, I don't get that soreness anymore because been, it's been consistent. It's been within my head. But I'm not forcing myself. And there's a difference because 
there are some practitioners that may have said that, oh, you know, like this practice is not for me because I injured myself through it. But then you also have to realize what mental state were you in or, or, or what teacher forced you to get to that mental state to where you push yourself more than 100% than what you're supposed to. Because the same thing applies with jiu-jitsu. You need to be careful. You're responsible for your body. Your body, you only have one. You can't get 10 more and whatnot. So you need to be responsible for it. And also tell the teachers, well, too, if it's too excessive for you. And that's one thing that I've also, uh, that I had to learn was that having the confidence to speak up. Because mm. most students mm. won't speak up. And they feel like, okay, the teacher knows what he's doing. He knows his body. He knows my body more. more. But there need to be a two-way conversation. Because, yes, the teacher does have experience, but the teacher doesn't know your body. And if your body, if you come from any injuries, you need to let the teacher know mm. rather than forcing yourself or trying to gain the attention or validation from the teacher. Because that's the that's the mentality of someone within the shelter of life where it's more or less my work is to improve or, or is, is to improve so I can gain the validation of my successor. So mm. once my successor is happy for me, then I can be happy for myself. But as you get further, you need to learn how to get the that self-validation for yourself, that, okay, I can do it and I can be happy doing it for myself. Yeah, that's nice. I would have thought that the uh, the Ashtanga should have come easily to you after Jiu-Jitsu. Jiu-Jitsu, by, by what I see, looks a lot harder than the Ashtanga. So it's, it's kind of strange for you to talk about being sore after after doing the standing sequence in the cinema scala because you know, you're, you're doing all this Jiu-Jitsu and what you yeah, post looks was, a lot more I, rigorous than that. Yeah, yeah no, because I was very rigorous. So for me, I, I kind of over... I overextended with the asanas when I was doing it only because I wanted it to be similar to jujitsu. Uh-huh. And as I got into, as I got into like the, like, like the thresholds, that's when I really got to understand the breathing because Dave Swenson mentioned that if you notice, you use your breath as a sensor. And as you're breathing through, through the vinyasa, through the asanas, if you ever feel they need to sacrifice your breath for the, for the pose, for the pose of the body, you know, you pushed it too much. So for me, I was using that theory that right. Dave Swenson had mentioned and applying it for every asana and saying, okay, how far can I push myself here? Oh, I'm losing my breath. Okay, now I need to move back a little bit. Uh-huh. Or I need to refrain from this asana. Yeah. And so it was so cool able to use that theory and applying it through everything. So even in jujitsu, when I was in a certain like position or, or, or guard or hold, if I didn't feel like I can breathe properly, I knew that I was in a bad state. I needed to move. Right. I need to switch myself out and then focus on getting back into that constant state. And I'll see my opponent, they're breathing through the mouth and I'm breathing into the nose. I'm like, Mike, this is just like yoga. Just breathe into the nose. So at the end of the sparring round, I'm walking back, breathing in through my nose and telling myself, Mike, this practice is similar to yoga. You're breathing into the nose for an hour and a half. You can do that. You can do the same thing for jujitsu. And I did that ever since then. My stamina has gotten so much better within jiu-jitsu just because i'm applying the same concepts Mm, mm. exactly the breathing is so powerful the breathing is so powerful fantastic to hear um well it's been a really nice (laughs) uh, after all this time i haven't seen you for ages so it's nice to catch up again you know and kind of see what you're doing i'm gonna see little snippets on social media you know and just thinking well you know what's he doing this reformation what's that and he's in london and then he's in hawaii and you know What's going on with him these days? I just thought he was gonna. I just thought he was gonna become a yoga teacher, you know, like like everyone else. And it's it's kind of also nice to see. Yeah, no, no, no. Different, different, different things, you know. Yeah, no, it, it's um, soon. Yeah, no, for sure, for sure. Well, uh, just I always wrap it up. Just uh, and I'm kind of curious with you as well to ask these questions. You might not know it's coming, or you might. Uh, what? Uh, give me a guilty pleasure, like something you just take pleasure in. You know, like a fun thing in the day. Uh, don't look nervous. And uh, <laughs> and uh, I know you don't have any guilt. 
and um or maybe you have loads of your, uh, are from your background um and uh and inspiration something something that's inspiring for you that you know like something which keeps you motivated and going when you find things are hard eh? yeah for me my guilty my guilty pleasure is is eating like whenever i i, I kind of over i kind of yeah. order like luck yeah i'm a foodie guy so yeah, yeah, yeah. so when, when i eat i eat <laughs> sometimes we'll we'll spend a little too much and i gotta tell myself like mike remember we gotta go to sleep at eight o'clock <laughs> so so no so no late night dinners so for me it's more, it's more or less yeah eating is my guilty pleasure What's and your favorite food? for me my inspiration my favorite food oh i'm a big pasta guy for me pasta. if anything with pasta and rice right. pasta and rice i I'm, I'm in love i could eat for days just, just by itself. I'll yeah, go yeah, vegan yeah. If, if it was just pasta and rice. Right, right, right. Where do you like in London? Is there any, anywhere that you like to eat in London? Oh, um, in London, I, I'm i weird. So I found myself loving loving this one spot for pho. Um, it's this Vietnamese it's soup. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I, I just couldn't stop going. And so like every day I would go to pho and just, there's a spot called pho. Stop yeah, by, get China, myself some think, soup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 right, right. And the inspiration? <laughs> um, inspiration, I would, I would have to say my sensei, um, for, for my jujitsu gym, only in the sense that, for me, he doesn't have a community to practice his Asanga yoga, but the fact that he has so much self-discipline for himself to practice Asanga yoga by himself for for two hours and a half because he practices primary and intermediate. Without letting anybody know within the world, I, I highly commend it. And for me, I told myself, if someone at the age of, of forty three of my sensei mm. is able to wake up every morning to do this, he's a family. He, he, he's a father figure. Mm. He's he's a married man with a family of two, and he's able to handle all of that plus his practice plus own a jiu jitsu gym. I have no excuse to wake up five a.m. just to do a shanga by itself. And for me, it was like. There's more, I, when the more I keep reflecting about the problems that I have within this world, the more I, more I get become closed-minded. But the more I started to listen to more people's stories, I started to realize that my problems weren't as big as what I thought. And it was me that made my problems as big as what it was. And by taking action, I realized that the problems weren't that big. And it was just, I spent more time overthinking where my drishti or my focus could have been on something else. Mm. So I feel like right now I've wasted so much time thinking about things that would have never happened again. And now I'm able to focus on things that I want to do. My mind is more clear and I'm more optimistic because I'm not thinking about not making a mistake again. Yeah. That's been an incredibly inspiring and an optimistic podcast. So, um, and, you know, and, and chat, you know, I really, really thank you for taking the time. No, to come thank on. you. Appreciate that. Lovely to see you. All right. <laughs> it's an honor, honestly. Thank you for having me. Thank you.